Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast. I am your host, Adam Castor, here with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how you doing? We're still quarantined yet again. We are still quarantined. We are still social distancing. We are living the dream. We are in good spirits. The weather is absolutely wonderful today. I am going to uh, do this show and uh, spread the wealth of uh, our sports knowledge with our wonderful listeners. Hope you all are well. Hope you all are safe. Hope you all are healthy. And uh, then I'm, I am planning, planning on going to uh, sit outside and um, enjoy this lovely, lovely, lovely weather that we have in the uh, New York metropolitan area today. You know, it would make it a lot easier to quarantine and social distance if it was like January and it was the dead of winter and yep. there was no reason for you to go outside. Exactly. Exactly. And, that, and that's going to be the problem, you know, going forward with this is when it does get warmer... You know, how, how many people are really going to stay inside um, as, you know, as the weather gets warmer, as it gets nicer out? I mean, tomorrow they're saying it was supposed to rain. Wednesday is supposed to rain. So that'll be easier in terms of keeping everybody in. But I, I can guarantee you that you go to any of the parks today, you go to any of the nature preserves, trails, things like that. I would bet your life that those trails are probably packed. I think I think that yeah. is a that is a pretty good, uh, good assumption. But. In any event, uh, how are you, Mr. Caster? How's uh, how's quarantine? I'm doing I'm doing great. Uh, there was this big uh, video game sale uh, on the Xbox store, like the spring sale, so I was able to get um, the new Wolfenstein, or not the like the the first edition of the reboot of uh, Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein: The New Order. It's really great. It's a fun first-person shooter. And then uh, I also got Ace Attorney, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney, which is really interesting. It's an interesting type of game where you're a defense attorney in mur- in a bunch of murder cases and you have to uh, find evidence and find contradictions in people's testimonies. And while you're doing that, you can also find out who committed the murder. So, Oh, so you're, you're, a, ba- you're basically playing FBI. Yeah. Well, FBI, you're, you're, FBI, open up. I mean, you're a defense attorney, but while you're in court, uh, while you're also proving the innocence of the person, of the accused, uh, along the way, you find out who actually committed the murder. So, Oh, okay. Uh, okay. So you're being FBI agent crossed with Johnny Cochran. A little. That, that, that sounds very intriguing. But yeah, that, that's what I've been doing. Well, I'm sure I'm sure there are many of our listeners that are looking for um, wonderful ways to go and entertain themselves in their time of uh, quarantine and social distance. So maybe they will go and uh, and check out those uh, those games. No free advertising. Yeah, no, no free, no free advertising. Never, never. I mean, if you're into killing Nazis or defending murder, uh, accused murderers, then these games are are right for you. (laughs) Then those are those are perfect games. Yes, I would say so. So. We're going to start off with the news and notes, as we usually do. Uh, what do you want to start off with first, Bird? Do you want to talk about the NFL All-Decade team or some uh, controversial remarks by somebody that we both... Yeah, let's get, the, uh, let's, get the ugly, let's get the ugliness out of the way. Okay, so Rex Ryan was doing a hit for NFL Network, I believe, or was it ESPN? ESPN. It, was on, uh, it was on Get Up with, uh, with Mr. Mike Greenberg. No free advertising. Uh, Jets fan, let's go. So... He 
was doing a hit for Get Up, and he, and I quote, he called Amari Cooper a turd. And he said that he was not a great wide receiver. He was very overrated. Is okay, the gist of what he was saying. It wasn't really a direct quote. The summary of what he said is that Amari Cooper is not a good wide receiver. He's never been a good wide receiver. And he was a, quote, turd. Understandably, people got pretty pissed at that. And I don't, I can't see Bird right now, but I'm sure that he is like frothing at the mouth to to talk about this. You know, I've been I've been ready to talk about this for the past. Uh, this kid, this, this all broke on Thursday or Friday of uh, of last week. So we haven't done a podcast since then. So I have been this has been stewing inside of me. Uh, for the better part of the last four or five days. And I think I've had time to really sit on this. I've had time to uh, come up with a mature answer, come up with a um, a media-friendly answer. And um, that really just comes down to, um, okay, here we go. I'll, I was going to go a different way with this, but I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it PJ for as best I can. I would have been okay if Rex Ryan came out and when he went on green on get up with with Greeny, I would have been okay if he just said flat out that the Cowboys made a mistake in in, in giving Amari Cooper a contract extension. Um, if he had just come out and said that Amari Cooper is not necessarily his cup of tea, and that he never should have gotten twenty million dollars annually, I would have been okay with that because that's his opinion. He is entitled to his opinion, no matter how wrong it is. He is entitled to it, um, but then he goes and he uses what he used, calling him a turd. Um, a, who calls anybody a turd in in 2020? That was uh, a, a a strange choice of insult. From uh, well, if he from... wasn't on TV, he probably would have called him something else. Oh, m- most likely, most likely. That's number that's number one. Uh, number two, it also says a lot that. Amari Cooper was valued by the Cowboys and even by the Redskins who were trying to uh, to sign him away from Dallas as well, um, that, you know, he's getting that kind of money. Um, but as for Rex Ryan, he's been blacklisted from the NFL. No NFL team wants him. No NFL team wants to take a chance on him. So who's the real turd in this situation? And he's doing nobody any favors. He's not doing himself any favors, quite frankly, by going out and blasting one of the one of the players that he says he has, quote, respect for. Yeah, I, I'm sure he does. Um, it it was a disgraceful comment. It was uh, very, very, uh, I, I I would say out of character, but it's not really out of character when it comes to, uh, to Rex Ryan and uh, his ability to just uh, take any available microphone and say what he wants into it and not have any repercussions out there. But a lot of, a lot of players and a lot of uh, people around the NFL community have really rallied around behind, really rallied behind Amari Cooper in this one, and uh, Rex Ryan is still taking a a ton of heat given his very, uh, I guess, I guess the word is half-assed apology that he went on Sports Center probably four or five hours later and apologized air quotes. Um, so I think it, it, again, it just says a lot about where where he is that he's on TV and he's able to uh, spit whatever shit he wants about whatever NFL player that he wants, and Amari Cooper is still very much in the league. He's still a very very valued member of uh, the most popular franchise, the biggest franchise in the sport, and um, he'll 
just have to go prove himself to uh, to Rex Ryan on the field in the upcoming season. I hope that he uh, he he has one game where he scores like three touchdowns, and uh, one of the celebrations that he does is he takes a fat shit on the field. That would be awesome. Well, I think this is basically just this is Rex Ryan's mo. This is what he does. I mean, you remember when we were younger, ten years ago? Wow, eleven years ago actually. When Rex Ryan guaranteed, made it a yearly thing that he would guarantee that the Jets would win the Super Bowl. Right. And that he wouldn't kiss Bill Belichick's rings. You know, when Rex Ryan is actually succeeding, like what he did in his first two and a half years with the Jets, then that's good. But when you are on TV, you can't get a, you can't really get a head coaching job anymore because you failed in your last couple years with the Jets. You failed when you were the head coach of the Bills, it doesn't really put you in a position to do that because then you just look like an insecure person. You look like a turd. Yeah, you look like a turd. So honestly, it was pretty uncalled for. I think Amari Cooper is a, is a great player. He's a fine player. I think there are definitely, if you wanted to say that Amari Cooper wasn't, wasn't all that good, then there are better ways to say it. I agree. I agree with you. And you, I, could, I, you, yeah, you can bring I, up stats. You could bring up like other things. Honestly, you could say that Amari Cooper, that the Raiders could have gotten more for him, like, or that the Dallas couldn't have, uh, maybe shouldn't have given up a first round pick. Who know? Like you could say that, but you just can't like a, like attack somebody's character on TV when it's supposed to be a professional environment. No, I, I mean I agree with you. And he, and the one thing that that bothered me to no end was that. He went on and said that Amari Cooper has the tendency to disappear in big games, number one, and then number two against big-time corners. So if you look at the big games that he's played in his career in Dallas, I'm looking at against the Eagles when he first when he first got here, his second game with the team, six catches, 75 yards. It's a very good game for him. Thanksgiving against Washington eight catches, 180 yards, and two touchdowns. And then again against Dallas, uh, against excuse me, against Philadelphia, 10 catches, 217 yards, three touchdowns in that game. Those are divisional games. Those are nationally televised games. And Rex Ryan is coming out and saying that, you know, that Amari Cooper doesn't do, just disappears in, in big games. I mean, give me a break. And then you look at you look at this past season. Week one against the Giants, six catches for 106 yards. Against the Packers, 11 catches, 226 yards, and a touchdown. Against Miami, against Xavier Howard, one of the best man-to-man corners in football, six catches, 88 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, against the Minnesota Vikings, 11 catches, 147 yards, and a touchdown there. So, I mean, I'm I'm just very curious as to where Rex Ryan is getting his numbers from in terms of that Amari Cooper disappears when it comes to the big time. Okay, he disappeared against Stephon Gilmore. Many of the big receivers in our game do. I mean, it's it's just that he is the gold standard in terms of quarter in terms of cornerbacks. It's just it's that simple. So, I mean, if you want to go after Amari Cooper for, you know, ghosting against Stephon Gilmore, then you should be going after any other receiver that's matched up against him on a weekly basis. I mean, it, it it's just that simple. You're right. It's 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 a disgrace. It's a disgrace, yeah. and he should be. I mean, he should be fined. He should be suspended. He should be fired from ESPN for what he said. Plain and simple. But ESPN, ESPN won't do anything. This is the same organization that after 
after he said what he said, was promoting it on all their social media pages to get to get clicks, to get likes, and and you know that was that. So you know where ESPN stands on the matter. Well, the thing is that ESPN and I think this is the main reason why they hired Rex Ryan is because Rex Ryan duh, specializes in hot takes. I mean, okay, this is not just ESPN. This is every single sports network, especially in times like this. They're looking for content. I mean, this is definitely the wrong place to look, but a lot of sports talk people, they make their living on hot takes. Why do you think shows like Get Up, First Take, First Things First, Skip and Shannon, whatever, why do you think they're so popular? Why do you think they're in, I wouldn't say primetime slots, but they're in the morning when people working from home can watch it easily. It's because they want to spark discussion. They want to spark debate. But this is this really, I, I just want to reiterate, I'm not even in favor of whatever Rex Ryan said, of what Rex Ryan said, but that's just what it is. He's, he has no right to say something like that. But no. that's the, the whole reason why Rex Ryan is even in this position is because of the kind of person that he is and the fact that he has a pension for saying these kinds of things. But again, I mean, you, you look at what ESPN, when this aired, they, retweet, they retweeted this right away. They wanted to get this out there. This wasn't about damage control. They were trying to spread the wildfire. They were trying to make sure that their organization was getting publicity. Because good publicity, bad publicity, publicity is always good publicity. So, I mean, why is ESPN not taking more, more of a hit for this? Um, I have absolutely no idea. Um, but... Shame on them and, and shame on Rex Ryan for uh, launching a uh, very uh, blistering assault on a uh, on a player that really is known as one of the, the good guys, too. He's very quiet. He handles himself very, very well. I mean, we've seen what other Cowboys receivers have looked like in the past, whether it's been Michael Irvin, whether it's been Terrell Owens, whether it's been Des Bryant, very brash, bombastic characters. And then you have Amari Cooper, who is the complete opposite of that. He's very, you know, calm, cool, collected, very reserved, very quiet sort of guy. At least he comes off as, as such. And that's what he gets? That's what he deserves? No, no. And Rex Ryan's apology just made things even worse. And I used air quotes on apology there because it wasn't an apology. It was a way for Rex Ryan to try and save face and... He doesn't care about any of the NFL players. He, he, he doesn't. He's a disgrace. All right. So I feel like we've said all we need to at, at the moment. On yeah, this we, we've exhausted that one. So let's move on to something more more exciting, more happy. The NFL All-Decade Team was released. This is the 2010s All-Decade Team roster. So let's just read down the list, shall we? Let's do it. So on offense, we have... Quarterbacks, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, running backs, Frank Gore, Marshawn Lynch and LaShawn McCoy and Adrian Peterson. Uh, a wide receiver, we have Antonio Brown, Larry Fitzgerald, Calvin Johnson, and Julio Jones. At flex, we have Darren Sproles. Great that they're using that fantasy terminology. We love that. Love that. Uh, at tight end, we have Rob Gronkowski and Travis Kelsey. At tackle, we have Jason Peters, Tyron Smith, Joe Staley, and Joe Thomas. At guard, we have Jari Evans, Logan Mankins, Zach Martin, and Marshall Yanda. At center, we have Alex Mack and Marquise Pouncey. So before we go into the defense, let's just talk about the offense real quick. Are there any surprises on here? 
Um, Darren Sproles is a little bit of a surprise, but I'm I'm happy that he's on there because he also, spoiler alert, he also comes up in this team as a specialist. He's also on this team as a punt returner, so he's the only guy to be uh, on this list as a uh, as a duel. So that's really just. It's a testament to see how well Darren Sproles has really played as an NFL player uh, over the course of his career and, you know, the kind of impact that he had. Um, but I think overall there's really no other shocks on this list that I can really see. I mean, I guess – I mean, if you want to put Antonio Brown in that as a shock, I mean, I guess I guess you can um, just given his, his recent history. But, again – when he's been on the field, he's just been he's been wonderful. So, I mean, I guess there's no real uh, real problem there. Uh, other than that, no, there really there really are no surprises on this uh, on this list. I think maybe the omissions is probably something that needs to be uh, talked about. I think Jason Witten uh, not being on this on this list was a little uh, a little surprising Vernon to some. Davis. Um, Vernon Davis has a real a real shout to be uh to be maurice on this jones list drew. um maurice jones drew yeah yeah jamal charles possibly um but that's what i was thinking like frank gore i don't know about frank gore i don't know well he's a he he's a hall of famer yes he is he's a hall of famer and he he really he really is the nfl's iron man in 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 many ways i mean this guy he just finds a way to consistently get it done so i mean while his numbers may not may not be all that impressive especially toward the later end of the decade um, there's no doubt that Frank Gore has somehow found a way to just uh, keep on carrying on. So I have no problem with him being on this list. So the defense, we have Calais Campbell, uh, Cameron Jordan, Julius Peppers, and J.J. Watt at defensive end. On the inside, we have Geno Atkins, Fletcher Cox, Aaron Darnold, and Ndamukong Sue. At linebacker, we have Chandler Jones, Luke Keekley, Khalil Mack, Von Miller, Bobby Wagner, Patrick Willett and Patrick Willis at corner. Surprisingly, there are only three corners, which is kind of weird. Yeah, it was a little weird. Patrick Peterson, Revis Island, and Richard Sherman. At safety, we have Eric Berry, Earl Thomas, and Eric Weddle. And at defensive back, which is somehow different than corner and safety. I guess because it's corner and safety, it's like flex for that. But So we have Chris Harris and Tyron Matthew. Although I think Tyron Matthew mostly played safety when he was in the NFL, correct? Correct. And he played quarter in college. That's what he was known for, but mostly now he's a safety. And I think correct. Chris Harris mainly plays corner, so I don't really know why. You could have just put four safeties and four corners. It would have been a lot yeah. easier, but I guess... Yeah, it would, have been, it would have been a lot easier, but whatever. So for this list, I like it. I'm a fan. Yeah, I, I like this list too. I think Geno Atkins was, was a little bit of a surprise, um, but... I'm, I'm fine with it. He had great years um, with the Bengals when he was in his prime no, with the he Bengals. Yeah, he absolutely, he absolutely did that. I mean, I, honest, honest to God, I, I have literally no problems with this defensive side. Me neither. If I, I don't have any issue. If with I it. were to say anything, I'd probably be fishing. Just, like I'd be looking for something because there really, really, there is nothing. I mean, maybe, maybe Darrell Revis, but. Still. No, no, I, I, I think Revis has a play has a place on this list. I think really the only two that I'm kind of surprised about are Geno Atkins and maybe Chandler Jones, maybe. But yeah, Chandler Jones has been quietly one of the best pass rushers in the entire league 
with the Arizona Cardinals. So, again, it's the same thing that you just said, Adam. It's it, We're fishing. Right. We're fishing for things to really uh, to really bitch and moan about. There's nothing here. I I'm a big I'm a big fan of uh, of this list, and I I really don't have a problem with it because I could see a case for all these guys to be on this list. Well, what about omissions? I guess maybe you could put Sean Lee, uh, maybe as an as an as a potential omission. Demarcus Ware uh, see, definitely that, has a, would, That's a good Demarcus Ware. I think definitely should be on this list. Yeah, I, I think so. But the question is, you know. Are you putting Demarcus Ware over J.J. Watt? Are you putting Demarcus Ware over Calais Campbell? Are you putting Demarcus Ware over Cameron Jordan or Julius Peppers? Probably not. I mean, if anything, you could probably put. I mean, I put him in over Chandler Jones. I put him in at linebacker. I would too. I would too. Yeah, I think. I, and again, and this is the cow. This is the Cowboys homer coming out in me. But I'm I'm glad that you're uh, you're you're very much on the bandwagon on this one. Well, I think that um, Demarcus Ware is great. He Played really well for two different uh, football teams. He won a Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos in 2015. One of the happiest moments of my fo- of my football fandom was watching Demarcus Ware win a Super Bowl. Love that guy. Yeah, I have I have my uh, my Demarcus Ware jersey right next to me in my closet right now. Spoiler alert: I'm going to break the fourth wall. Um, I am not in the basement right now. We're doing the Basement Talk podcast, and I am not in my basement. So sorry, sorry, fourth wall, but. Yes, I have to make that confession. I am not in my basement. My basement looks like an absolute war zone right now. So I now have to do this podcast up in my uh, in my office. So yeah, well, I'm like the furthest from my basement. I'm upstairs in my room. So this is there's definitely there you go. Going to ruin the illusion for some people, but whatever. Correct. What are you going to do? Correct. Um, I think maybe some of the Steelers. There aren't a lot. Of the like the Steelers linebacking core, um, James Harrison, uh, James Farrier, uh, those kinds of people could have been on this list. Right. But honestly, it's it's a question of who are you going to take off if you want to put them on. Uh, again, it, it really just comes down to a matter of opinion. There aren't enough spots, honestly. But <laughs> that's the thing. There aren't enough spots exactly, and there, there's there is nobody that you're going to keep happy. That that's part of the problem with with these kind of lists, lists in general. Is that you're always you're always gonna leave somebody off. Yeah, exactly. But again, we talked we talked about this before. I don't see any issues with the defensive side of this list. I really don't. All right. So specialist at punter, we have Johnny Hecker and Shane Leckler. Kicker, we have Goskowski and Justin Tucker. Punt returner, we have Tyreek Hill and Darren Sproles. And a kick returner, we have Devin Hester and Corderell Patterson. No issue. Mm, yeah, no. I mean, maybe Janikowski. I would put him on. Uh, maybe. Just because, just to have Janikowski and Leckler be there. Because for the longest time, they were the two best players on the Raiders. Maybe maybe you could make a case for, uh, for Vinatieri as well. Yeah. But I think Vinatieri, the best parts of Vinatieri were... In the two thousands, yeah, yeah, I agree. I, me personally, I think Dan Bailey should be on this list. Oh my God. Quite, quite, quite personally, he's he's a great is he guy. Still the most accurate kicker in the NFL, or is that title been stripped? As he missed a couple field goals. Please hold, please hold. For kick returner, I think Josh Cribbs should have been on this list as well. Potentially, uh, it is, it is Dan. Oh, Bailey. it is still Dan Bailey. Who's second, by it the way? It is. Is that up there? No, it's not. I apologize. Okay. He is sixth. Oof. 
That's rough. He is sixth. So who? So we yeah. have above him are Goskowski, Lutz, Lambo, Butker, Talker. So is that in order? So Goskowski is the most accurate? No, no, no. That is five to uh, five to one. Oh, Justin Tucker is the most accurate then. That's cool. Correct. And then coaches are Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll. Honestly, no problems with that either. I mean, may, I would maybe Sean Payton. It's Sean Payton has a case. Yep. Maybe Bill O'Brien. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe if you put a Cardinals hat on him. Maybe uh, maybe Jason Garrett. I would, Yeah, I was joking with Jason Garrett. Ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo, great guy. Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin enjoys watching his players suffer. Maybe a little. Maybe a little too much. Yeah, maybe a little too much, exactly. It's, this is why... This is why NFL players hate playing for him. This is why the uh, the NFLPA has advised that all uh, all players not sign with Jacksonville. That's the great. Can you imagine? You just get like you know you you have Rex. People say like you know Rex Ryan, Colin Kaepernick are blackballed. The NFL is just like no, don't play for them. They just came out made an official statement. It was like no, you you're not allowed. You you. The you, NFL Players Association literally came out and said, do not sign with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like. Shit. Yeah, that's how you know. Oh, that is how you know, yes. So anyway, this show mainly is going to be part of a mini-series that we're doing where we're going to be bringing you two shows a week up until the virtual NFL draft presented by EA Sports, I think is probably what they're going to call it. <laughs> probably. And we're going to be talking about the – this week we're going to be talking about the positional needs for the AFC – and the NFC. We're going to do the AFC today, and we're going to do the NFC on Thursday. Next week is going to start our official mock draft. We're going to be in the in the uh, first round, and we're going to segment it. It's not going to be for listeners of the Fantasy Show, the Required Radio Fantasy Show. It's not going to be like the two and a half hour extravaganza we have with Benny. So, dear God, no going to be segmented where it's actually going to work out a lot better because we're going to have a lot more time to talk about so for this the afc team uh breakdown we're going to start we're going to go by division we're going to start with the uh, afc east then we're going to go to the north then the south and then the west and i'm going and the list is in order of uh where the team finished so first up is the new england patriots and they're going to be picking 23rd in the 2020 NFL Draft presented by EA Sports. <laughs> and No free advertising. No free advertising indeed. It's going to be like the uh, that franchise mode, that cinematic franchise mode where they just have... It's going to be ridiculous. But so their team needs... I mean, this is pretty obvious. They need a quarterback. Yeah. Like, let's be real here. Unless they're going to pull a Warriors, which would be the most diabolical thing in the history of the NFL. It would be the most diabolical yet Patriots thing to do. I mean, then Bill Belichick would literally be Emperor Palpatine. He's he's a supervillain. Confirmed. They also need a wide receiver. That's definitely a thing. You're going to see a lot of these teams. Wide receiver is going to be there because this, as we've said before, this is a deep, deep, deep wide receiver class. Yeah, the best wide receiver class probably in a very long time. The 1983 NFL draft of wide receiver classes, if you want to go uh, that route. And then offensive linemen, because, you know, when you have a rookie quarterback, maybe a rookie quarterback, unless they're going to be Dr. Evil or M. Bison and, you know, tank forever, you're going to need to surround that quarterback with a solid offensive line 
and weapons. You know, this guy is not going to be Tom Brady. He's not going to just be like, all right, just give me one wide receiver that I kind of know and we'll be fine. Like, you just can't. You can't. And I think last year, teams really realized, like, listen, they don't have anybody else besides Julian Edelman. They're not going to throw it to anybody else besides Julian Edelman. If we just cover Julian Edelman, then we should be fine. Because before, you know, you had Gronk. You had to worry about Gronk. But now they have, they don't, tight end is definitely a need for them as well. So that's more of like a, like a secondary need because you can just like find a tight end and probably, you know, knowing New England, they're probably going to like do something, make him good. But that's just how it works with them. That's just how, that's just how it works. They just find, they just find guys and all of a sudden they find God. Yeah. But really their, their three major needs are quarterback, wide receiver and offensive line. So what do you have, Bird? So I think that if they are going to go the quarterback route, which I, I do agree with Adam, I think that that is definitely an area of need for the Patriots. I think one guy that I'm really looking at that could potentially be a pick for them if they decide to go that route. Again, Bill Belichick has never been a guy to really go and spend high draft capital on a quarterback, but... Famously if did not spend high draft capital on a quarterback. Correct. Very famously decided to wait 199th overall to go and get a quarterback who happened to become the greatest quarterback to have ever played the game. But well, could have picked Chad Pennington. Could have picked Chad Pennington. This 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 is very true. The second best quarterback to have ever played the game, according to Adam Castor. Um, I, I think that there's a couple guys here that I think could be in the Patriots range, and that is uh, Jordan Love out of uh, Utah State. And Jacob Eason out of the University of Washington. I think Jacob Eason is going to be a little bit more obtainable for the Patriots. I think you could probably get him as a day two sort of pick. Whereas Jordan Love, he he is very, very intriguing in a lot of ways. He's 6'4", 224 pounds. He, is a, he can be a mobile quarterback. He has a pretty good arm. But it all comes down to the Patriots probably are not going to spend a first-round pick on a quarterback could they draft a quarterback later in the draft in typical Patriots fashion most likely but from what I have heard it is going to be an open competition in New England between Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham Jared Stidham is a guy that a lot of people in the Patriots building do like a lot wide receiver I don't you know I don't see wide receiver as that big of a need the Patriots really do like Jacoby Myers and they really do want to see him grow they also have their first round pick from last year, Nikhil Harry, who is entering year two. And then they do also have Julian Edelman still in the building. Now, th- this could all change if the reports are true that the Patriots are talking to teams about a potential Julian Edelman trade. That is something to d- definitely look out for. If that trade does happen, then wide receiver becomes a massive, massive need for the Patriots. But for right now, I think the Patriots are okay with where they are in terms of their wide receiver depth. An edge rusher for me is where I think the Patriots absolutely need to address because they lost Jamie Collins to the Detroit Lions and they also lost Kyle Van Noy to the Miami Dolphins. So they have voids on their defensive line that need to be addressed. And two guys that I'm really looking at that could be picks for the Patriots at this spot, which I will unveil in my mock draft uh, next week, 
but I will give a spoiler. I do have the Patriots going edge rusher in the spot. Uh, AJ Apensa from the University of Iowa and Etor Grossmatos from Penn State. Those are two guys that I think will be there. Those are two guys that are obtainable for the Patriots, and those are two guys that would be plug-and-play starting options for the Patriots come day one in 2020. So edge rusher for me is a big need for the Patriots. Yes, they need help on the offensive line, specifically at their guard spots and at their center spot as well, which could be addressed later in the draft. But I think for the first round, I think edge rusher is definitely the the biggest spot that the Patriots have to go in and, and potentially address. You think Julian Edelman is going to be a part of this uh, quarterback battle? He might. He did play quarterback at Kent State. I was only I'm like half serious, but you know, you I, never know. I I know you're half serious because you you want to see uh, you want to see somebody on the Jets pick him off or uh, or sack his ass. Well, I think I mean Jamal Adams already uh, got a here. Well, Jared Stidham threw a pick six to Jamal Adams. This is uh, true. Last year. This is Which true is when the funny. when the when the Jets got uh, when the Jets got mauled in uh, in Foxborough. It was only it was thirty to fourteen. It that's a that, mauling. Whatever. That's a mauling. In, 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 in my world, that's a mauling. It was very funny because they were like, "All right, put in the backup," and then he throws a pick six to Jamal Adams. They're like, "Okay, never mind. Put him. Put Tom Brady back in." <laughs> 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 is there anything else you want to talk about with New England, or we can move on to uh, the Buffalo no, we Bills? Can, we we can move on. I think Edge Rusher will be, will be the pick there. I would be stunned if they were to go quarterback. I would be absolutely stunned. So for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, basically every single team in the AFC East needs an, ed- an edge rusher. That's a that's a mini spoiler for what we're going to talk about moving on. Half the fucking league needs an, ed- an edge rusher. Yeah, yes, because, this, is, this is correct. And yet, Jadavion Clowney remains unsigned. Well, he's not he's not getting the money that he wants. I mean, if uh, if he did have a $18, $19 a year offer that he reportedly had on the table early in free agency and he didn't take it, yikes. We have a Melvin Gordon on our hands. We have a Melvin Gordon on our hands. So the Buffalo Bills do not have a first-round pick. They Correct. traded it to Minnesota in the Stefan Diggs trade. Correct. But for later in the draft, uh, the edge rusher class is pretty deep as well. Would you agree? Yeah, sure. I would agree. I would agree. And like many teams also, they do need a cornerback. Next to quarterback... Edge rusher, offensive line, and corner are probably the two are probably the three most important positions on the football field. Three three of the hardest to find positions in the football field. Correct. On the football field. As far as quality players are concerned. Buffalo has a bit of a head start because they do have a bona fide number one in Tredavious White. But they need help around him. And that is really what they'll be looking for in the later rounds of the draft. Is there a chance that they might trade up or trade back into the first round? Um, I mean, it's possible. I mean, any, anything is possible. But I I think that they put all their eggs in the basket of, you know, we need Stephon Diggs. We got him in here. And we're just going to ride out with the, uh, with the picks that we have. Because honestly, I look at the Buffalo Bills. I don't see a lot of holes. For this team, I mean, you talked about the corner. Yeah, they need an opposite corner uh, of Tredavious White. They need another edge rusher, but we you know we're not talking about you know a big time edge rusher. We're talking about more of a more of a depth piece that they can go and invest in in the middle rounds of this draft. 
and maybe they get a change of pace running back to complement Devin Singletary. But other than that, they really don't need a whole lot. Because you look at their wide receivers, wide receiver was probably their biggest need coming into the offseason, coming into the draft, and they went and addressed that with Stephon Diggs. And they have so many other pieces on that on that roster. I, I really think the Bills are very, very, very set. I, I, I really, really do. I agree. I agree. So with that, let's move on to my team, the New York Jets, who are picking at 11th. Uh, they would be picking earlier, but, you know, easy schedules and all that. Uh, they decided to win games because players wanted their jobs <laughs> not to not be cut. But anyway, the Jets are picking at 11th. It's a solid, solid spot. Uh, a lot of team, a lot of uh, beat writers, a lot of uh, people with the in and around the Jets organization are thinking that they're going to go either offensive line or wide receiver. You know, the there are three big offensive linemen that, no pun intended, but <laughs> there are three offensive linemen that are really at the top of everybody's board, and that is Andrew Thomas, Makai Becton, and Jedrick Willis. And, and Tristan Wirfs. And Tristan Wirfs. Four. Four big Four. offensive linemen. And really, that is going to... Like, one of them is going to be there at 11. Because if you look at... Odds are. Yeah, odds are. If you look at the draft, if you look at the, the teams with picks before them, they're probably either going to pick uh, quarter quarterbacks or edge rushers. Or maybe a uh, wide receiver. Because people are saying very great things about uh, Jerry Judy. And... Um, the other members of the wide receiver class and still that's great and wide receiver is definitely a possibility for them if they really do like jerry judy but as we've talked about on previous episodes of the basement talk podcast they need to pick offensive line because offensive line is inherently a more important position on the field than wide receiver and that and that's just that's my stance on it. I mean, you could listen to previous episodes of the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you really want to hear my position because I don't feel like repeating myself about it. The other positions that they need are edge rusher. I mean, how many years has it been that the that we've been saying that the Jets need an edge an edge rusher? Uh, they could have gotten an edge rusher last year with the other Josh Allen, but they drafted Quinn and Williams. So, who who is solid as an interior defensive lineman, but really what the what you need to succeed in the NFL is a bona fide edge rusher in addition to your franchise quarterback, and they also need corners. They free agency has not been kind to the Jets when they've been looking for corners. Uh, Tremaine Johnson. So I had such high hopes, but. The Jets did bring bring back Brian Poole in probably one of the greatest bargains uh, for this free agency period, but they need other corners. They cut Tremaine Johnson and they cut Daryl Roberts. There are other corners on that on the roster. You know, you have uh, Bless Austin who showed flashes last year, and whoever they draft this year. But really, corner is 
one of the most important positions that they that they need. I mean, this is this roster needs a lot of work before it can be on the same level that the Bills are in their rebuild and teams of that sort of caliber. But I think to start off, they need an offensive lineman. That's a very long-winded way of saying it, but they need an offensive lineman. Yeah. No, I I I I mean there's nothing wrong with what you said at all. I think Joe Douglas has his work cut out for him, but I think Joe Douglas also is is very much in the mold of that this rebuild is not going to happen overnight. You know, it's going to be a, a long process in terms of getting the Jets uh, back to where they, they need to be. But, Adam, you, you basically hit the nail on the head with offensive tackle. We've talked about this, I feel like, a nauseating amount of times where the Jets need to be, need to be taking whoever the best offensive tackle is on their board at pick 11. It's, 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 plain, it's plain and simple. It's plain and simple. They have to go offensive offensive tackle at this spot. And yeah, the wide receivers, that's an important spot. The corner they can address later in the draft. Wide receiver they can address later in the draft. But you have an opportunity at four top-notch tackle prospects. Whomever is there, whether it's Wills, whether it's Worse, whether it's Thomas, and whether it's Becton, whichever one it is, you take them. You take them and you protect Sam Donald. That should be priority numero uno. That is correct. So to finish it, to round out our discussion of the AFC East, we're going to go to the Miami Dolphins who have a shocking three first round picks. That's what happens when you trade away your entire team. This is true. So they have the fifth overall pick, which they got from their position last year. They have the 18th overall pick, which they got from the Pittsburgh Steelers in the in the uh, Minka Fitzpatrick trade, and they have the 26th overall pick that they got from the Texans in the Laramie Tunsil trade. So this, that basically what they need, they have the opportunity to really either fill all of their needs in the first round in the first round, or use one of their first round picks as ammunition to trade up in the first round to potentially get one of those four tackles if they're when they're on the board because i think at number five they're probably going to go quarterback this is going to be like uh, the giants last year where they're saying oh well maybe you could wait until the late their later first round pick to pick quarterback to pick a quarterback but i think Miami is going to see something in whichever quarterback is left, uh, probably Tua, or even or maybe if they're feeling uh, dangerous, they can draft Jordan Love. But they're they're going to look at quarterback in the first round, definitely, because Ryan Fitzpatrick, as I well know, is very inconsistent. He's good, but he's not going to win you a Super Bowl. He's actually never been to the playoffs in his entire career. Did you know that? I did not. So, wow. Yeah. He's been very close. Very, very, very close. But Close only counts with horseshoes and hand grenades there, Mr. Gaston. That is correct. But he's never once been to the playoffs. And he's not, wow. he's not a quarterback of the future. No. And uh, No, but yeah. he, he's, he's a plug-and-play sort of guy. And let's say... The Dolphins do take a quarterback, whether it is going to be Tua, 
or whether it's going to be uh, Justin Herbert. I've I've heard from a few people that there are teams out there that are very scared of Tua because they just don't know what that hip injury looks like. And obviously with this situation that we have going on in our world right now with uh, COVID-19, these individual player workouts have been, shall we say, very limited in terms of actually getting to see some of these players on the field. And this really hurts the guys that are coming off of uh, major injuries and surgeries and things like that, and namely Tua Tagovailoa, you know, who there are a lot of people that have questions. And, you know, you can look at every medical record that you want, but the bottom line is he could be as healthy as can be, but once he steps on a football field and he starts throwing, you want to see how that hip is going to respond. So there are a lot of teams that are concerned about about Tua, there's no doubt that he's a he's a game-changing prospect. There's no doubt about it, but the downside is great as well. And honestly, I agree with you, Adam, that I think they're going to go quarterback at this pick, but it wouldn't surprise me if it came down to Tua or Herbert, it would not surprise me if the Dolphins decide to go Herbert. Well, yeah, over Tua. I mean, you know how, I wouldn't be, I yeah. would not be surprised. I mean, you know how much you need your hips when you're a quarterback, uh, you need him a lot. Yeah, yeah, you need you, you need him quite a Have bit. Have you ever seen a quarterback drop back to pass? Do you know how much he moves his hips when you do that? It's a lot. Uh, uh, if it's anything like the uh, Dak Prescott exercises that I see before every Cowboys game, where he's uh, doing the little hip thrusts, as I'm doing in my chair right now, I'm getting my hips activated, Adam. Getting my hips into the movement. I'm ready for this podcast. He getting the hips ready. Getting the hips ready. It's very, very, very important body points. It is. It's incredibly important. And, right, and that's why I think, just like we were talking about on, I think it was the first episode of this uh, special edition of the Basement Talk podcast, where we talked about Cam Newton and how knowing about his shoulder injury or not knowing about a shoulder injury has kind of halted the market on his his, uh, signing because you just don't know because you can't just go to his house. And you can't and say, okay, so how's your shoulder? You can't bring him into the office and say, how's your shoulder? Because you're not supposed to be in contact with people. So it's a, it's going to be interesting to see. These are very, very weird, unprecedented times. I mean, we haven't had something like this in Ever. 100 years. But even then, when the Spanish flu broke out, I don't think that there was that much like craziness with sports because when you think about it the nfl wasn't even formed yet in 1919 Uh, the nhl and baseball were the basically the two sports that were around correct Uh, basketball wasn't really a thing i think it was at the 20s or the 30s that the Knicks, celtics and warriors were uh established i think it was the late 20s yeah so it's a, it's unprecedented, and that might cause quarterbacks like Tua to to falter. But honestly, it might be to the benefit of uh, some teams. I mean, you saw it with Dan Marino. I mean, it's very different because Dan Marino wasn't injured; he was just accused of smoking weed. Because God, but he taboo. Yeah, not even caught. He was accused of smoking weed. Like ridiculous. The eighties was was a different time. 
God, if uh, if that's what happened these days, you know, if we're we're accusing people of uh, of smoking a joint or something. Then I would say seventy five percent of these uh, these prospects might uh, might go undrafted. Although you remember what happened with Laramie Tunsil. This is true. Gas mask. This is true, gas mask. But depending on who you believe, that video was probably leaked on purpose so that way he uh, he wouldn't go number one overall. But that's a uh, that's just a theory for another yes. day. Yes, SB Nation did a really good. No free advertising, but SB Nation did a, did a great uh, feature on the uh, corruption with uh, Ole Miss, the recruiting violations. Great, absolutely no free no free advertising. But I want to go back and I want to touch on what you said with the Dolphins in terms of the two first round picks that they have left, and. I agree with you, Adam. I, I really think that you're onto something when you say take those two first-round picks and potentially try and trade up back into the top ten to try and get one of those offensive linemen before potentially the Jets can get their hands on one. I think that that is a very, very good idea. The Dolphins, uh, the Dolphins that the Dolphins should absolutely consider. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a rich price to pay. You know, two two top ten picks, uh, two excuse me, two first-round picks to go back into the top ten. I mean, but it may be worth it in the long run if you have an, an anchor on your offensive line to protect your new shiny toy, whether it is, of course, Tua Tagovailoa or whether it is Justin Herbert. Right, exactly. Or if they want to, uh, I mean, total, total left field if they just want to build around Josh Rosen. You never know. <laughs> Don't make me laugh. Yeah, no, you, yeah. So next we're going to talk about the... Baltimore Ravens, the number one seed in the a- in the AFC, they have the twenty eighth overall pick. Moving on to the AFC North. Yes, moving on to the AFC North, they have the twenty eighth overall pick in the first round, and they don't have too many needs, really, because they were a solid team. I mean, they won the first overall seed. They just couldn't get it done in the playoffs against the juggernaut of the Tennessee Titans, and that's not even sarcasm. But really what they need are, are linebackers. I mean, how many years are the Ravens linebacking core just, just going to be ransacked in free agency? I mean, starting basically with the year after the free agency after they won the Super Bowl in 2012, when uh, Pernell McPhee left to join the Cleveland Browns. Linebackers left uh, this year. I mean, C.J. Mosley signed with the New York Jets uh, in 2018 or 2019 free agency, rather. So the Ravens really do need that offensive line, or I mean, sorry, that linebacking core. They just need more players for the linebacking core just to make it better because that's what it is. They're constantly losing players, but you never know. They might have some hidden depth. Uh, John Harbaugh is such a great coach because he knows how to get the most out of his players. Now let's move on to the offensive line because they, I mean, every team needs offensive line help. Uh, Marshall Yanda just recently recently retired. There is a gaping hole at guard there. I mean, those are some really big shoes to fill, no pun intended. And at wide receiver as well. I think Lamar Jackson, he does a lot with his feet. You never really hear about him throwing to uh, wide receivers a lot because he just kind of does a lot of it himself. It's kind of like you're playing uh, franchise mode in Madden. You're player locked on a on your quarterback, and you're just like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna do it myself. I don't care. I'm I'll just score all these touchdowns myself." But really, you need a wide receiver. You need wide receivers to succeed. 
And you have one. They have one. They have Hollywood Brown. He's great. But really, to have a full complement of wide receivers, you need more than just Hollywood Brown. So do you have anything else to add, Bird? Um, well, for me, I think linebacker is the one spot that I'm looking for the Baltimore Ravens. I think that that is definitely an area of need for for them in terms of where they can go with their first-round pick. Obviously, replacing Marshall Yanda has to be a priority, but I think they can go and address that later in the draft. But I think where, with where they're picking in the first round, I think there'll be two guys potentially that could fall to them, potentially even three. That makes sense in terms of who they can take. That is Zach Bond out of Wisconsin, Patrick Queen out of LSU, and then Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma. I think those are three guys that make a ton of sense for the Baltimore Ravens that they are going to go the linebacker route that they can go ahead and uh, select there that could make a ton of sense. And if they want to go offensive line, they could potentially go Josh Jones, the senior out of Houston, and maybe move him inside to guard. Uh, they could try that, but 6'5", 319, I think, he, I think he does translate better more as a tackle uh, in, in the National Football League. So I think linebacker is definitely the pick, and then later in the draft we see potentially the Ravens, in the middle rounds we see the Ravens go and address that offensive line. Right. So next we're going to move on to their, I wouldn't say eternal rival, but rival since 1996, the Pittsburgh Steelers who do not have a first-round pick. As previously mentioned, they traded it to the Dolphins in the Minka Fitzpatrick trade, which honestly could definitely be one of the f- a rare win-win trade in the NFL. So they, what they need, they need wide receivers as well to complement Juju Smith-Schuster. They need corners because that has been a problem for the, the Pittsburgh Steelers for a long, long time. They tried to solve it a couple years ago when they drafted Artie Burns, but he has, ironically, he's flamed out in the NFL. Flamed out, flamed out miserably, yeah. yeah. And interior defensive linemen as well, because it's kind of like in 2010, going to 2011, when the Steelers got off the, were off their Super Bowl appearance when they lost to the Packers, their defensive core is still aging. They they need to kind of re- they need to replace it. Honestly, definitely like a ter- I think like a tertiary need would be quarterback. But honestly, that would not that's not really a first round need. I mean, obviously they don't have a first round pick. But even in the second round, I don't think they would go quarterback. I think they would wait until around Tom Brady range to pick a quarterback if they were going to go around uh, that route. But other than that, I can't really think of too many needs for the Pittsburgh Steelers because they were very they were a team that was very close to making the playoffs. And really what held them back was inconsistent quarterbacking play. And if Ben Roethlisberger comes back this year and he does pretty well, then that then that problem might just be solved. Yeah, I th- I think I think I'm kind of with you there. I think that maybe the only two needs like you had said was defensive line and, and offensive line. But other than that, well, I never said I think offensive line. That, well, offensive line then is a uh, is a definite need for the Steelers then as well. Um, but in terms of quarterback, they can address that later. They don't need to go and take quarterback right away. Um, tight end, they just signed Eric Ebron, so they don't they don't need to uh, go there. I think interior of their offensive line is okay. I think their tackle spots definitely need a little bit of work. 
uh, if they want to go and potentially take a running back and add that to the running back mess that's there with James Conner, Benny Snell, and Jalen Samuels, they can go ahead and do that. Um, but again, I think I think interior defensive line when the Steelers are up in the second round, I think that is uh, that is definitely a direction that they can uh, they can go. But offensive line also makes sense. So what about wide receiver and corner, which were the other two positions I talked about? Uh, wide receiver, I can kind of see, but I don't think they are going to go and you know really make wide receiver a priority. I think they still are very big fans of James Washington that he could potentially be the guy that can stand out and become the number two receiver there. They also have Deontay Johnson, who they are very high on, and of course Juju Smith-Schuster, who everyone seemingly expects will have a better year with Ben Roethlisberger back at the helm. Corner makes a ton of sense. I I think that that is an area where they are going to go and spend maybe a couple mid to late round picks on trying to get a corner in there. Uh, the Steelers, they're, they're more of a they're they like the, those more playmaking corners, and there are a ton of them in this draft. So I, I think we could potentially see in the fifth, the sixth round, maybe the Steelers trying to take a chance on one of these athletic playmaking corners that can really make a difference for the Pittsburgh Steelers, opposite of of course Joe Hayden. Right, exactly. And then you have Minka Fitzpatrick at that safety spot that they could. Correct. Uh, Correct. Safety. Safety is the one is the one spot that the Pittsburgh Steelers do not need to go and address. Right. And next, we're going to go on to the Steelers' rival for a lot longer, which are the Cleveland Browns, who are picking at number ten, one spot before my team. And shocker, they also need offensive line help to uh, help protect Baker Mayfield. I mean, Baker Mayfield is a bit more mobile than Sam Darnold, but still, offensive line is an important position. Uh, They also need linebacking help as well and and, uh, safety. So uh, what do you think about that, Bird? Well, the Cleveland Browns have done a really good job in terms of addressing some of the areas that they have to go and address. Obviously, going offensive line is going to help Baker Mayfield completely because we we saw it last year what happened when Baker Mayfield did not have an offensive line that can keep him upright he really did struggle a whole lot but the problem is when you when you look at the Cleveland Browns will they have an opportunity to go and get one of those premier offensive tackles which is the area that I have them hoping to address I don't think so picking a 10 so they might they probably will they might they might but what happens then if the Jets know this and potentially try and leapfrog Cleveland? Then we potentially have a problem for for Cleveland. But they could they could go that route. Honestly, if if you're asking me the way that I think they would go, it's tough because there is a possibility from what I've heard that not many people are as hot on Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker safety hybrid player out of Clemson as initially thought. And if Isaiah Simmons falls, I think the Browns are where his floor would be just because of what he does. And he adds a different layer of creativity to a defense in Cleveland that absolutely needs it. 
So if it comes down to getting a shiny new toy on the offensive line, which they've already done via the signing of Jack Conklin from the Tennessee Titans, or getting another big-time young piece to add to that defense, me personally, I think they're going to go the defensive route and potentially take Simmons here. Well, that would be interesting. I think we haven't really seen a player like Simmons where you can play no linebacker and no, safety. we haven't. Basically, it takes we haven't one hundred percent. You're you're hundred percent right, and that's part of the problem it, with yeah. going and trying to take Simmons. Is that's because we just have not seen a player like this, and nobody knows what to really expect of you him. You need two very different types of bodies to play linebacker and safety in the NFL. That might be a problem because you might end up getting a player that is too small to play sa- to play linebacker, yet too big to play safety. Correct. So I mean, honest and honestly, that's when I've been evaluating these these prospects in terms of you know the, the likes, the dislikes, the ins, the outs. The thing with Simmons is that I just don't know what I would play him as. Because if you look at his size, 6'4", 238, he's a big safety, but then he he's an undersized sort of linebacker. So, you know, I really don't know what I would kind of put him as. I guess, like, the, the best comparison is, like, he's a more athletic Mark Barron. I was thinking Mark it, Barron, it, it, too. But he plays safety you know, full time in, in now, a way, or he plays linebacker full time now. He plays linebacker full time, right? But that was when he came into the league as a safety. Right. So I, I honestly don't know what Isaiah Simmons is, but he's intriguing nonetheless. And I think if he were to fall, just based on where he, where he's coming from, Clemson, and the kind of player that he is, and this what a standout he was in his junior year, I I think that Cleveland does take a chance on that and. It would it would be a really nice piece for the Cleveland Browns to add to their defense. Well, that's interesting. Wasn't Mark Barron also drafted in the fur in the top ten? He was. There you go. There's the comp. He in fact was. So next, we're staying in the state of Ohio with the Cincinnati Bengals, who are picking, as we all know, first overall. This is easy. Yeah, slam dunk, quarterback. Obviously. This is easy. Slam dunk. You you take Joe Burrow and you figure the rest of your draft strategy out later. I will say, though, that the one area that I do want the Bengals to go ahead and address is once they take Joe Burrow, they need to get help on that offensive line. That is correct. That is is another area that they have to go and address. But other other than that, I mean, maybe they go and get an edge rusher. Maybe they get a linebacker here and there. Maybe they get Joe Burrow another toy if you can't really rely on A.J. Green. But other than that, first round, slam dunk. You're taking Joe Burrow and you're running for the hills. Let's move on to a team that does not have a first first round pick. And that is the Houston Texans. We're moving on to the AFC South here. And the Texans are kind of fucked. You're telling me. Because... So they don't have a first-round pick this year. Um, they don't have a second-round pick this year because they, that was uh, the compensation, quote-unquote, for the DeAndre Hopkins trade. 
So one of their big needs, ironically, is DeAndre Hopkins. It's a wide receiver. They need somebody to complement Randall Cobb and Kiki QT because this Deshaun Watson just lost his number one target. Hey Adam, you uh, you want me to uh, to really get you uh, get you going some more? Sure. Uh, I thought so, and I had to look it up before I interjected and uh, and said that they did not, and I was correct. They also do not have a first or second round pick next year. Oh yeah, that's what. See, I thought the Laramie Tunsil p- trade was last year's first round pick. That's why I didn't say it. But that that now they're actually fucked. Yeah, they're 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 royally fucked. Honestly, what they need is a first round pick, also. But then they'd have to yeah. give up more players. I, I mean, I mean, but like, this all goes back to the Hopkins trade. Why trade him if you know you're not getting a first round pick back? It it just it just makes no sense to me. You hold on to DeAndre Hopkins, you want to trade him, fine, but get a first round pick for it. I mean, the fact that Khalil Mack was able to get two first round picks for him. Yeah, Amari exactly. Cooper was supposed to got a first round pick for him, and Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper got traded for a first round pick when he had a freaking concussion. Exactly, and he I was mean, concussed and I mean, got a first round pick. Even you, even you agree with me, and when I say that DeAndre Hopkins is a better wide receiver than Amari Cooper, oh, by a million miles. And the fact that the Texans weren't able to do that when they do not have a first round pick this year this- or next year. This shows that Bill O'Brien needs to stick to being a football coach and let someone who handles the business side well handle the business side. That is what we call, in layman's terms, a general manager. Yes. He is no general manager. He is no executive. He is a coach. He is no Bill Belichick. Yeah, look at Bill Belichick trying to be—look at a Bill trying to be another Bill. Who would have thought? Bill is trying to be another Bill. You just can't. I mean, there are very no. few. I think there are very, very, very few. Most of them are you named could Bill, say, actually, which is kind of funny. Bill Walsh, Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells. Yeah, and then and then Bill, the other one, Bill Polian, Bill Polian, and then the other one's named Sean, and the other one is named Sean. Correct. But other than that, they also need uh, defensive tackle. Uh, you can definitely look at corner as a position of need because a lot of teams just just need corners in general but frankly what they really need is more picks they need more picks yep i don't know how they're going to get those picks but they need more picks oh breaking news deshaun watson traded for a bag of balls <laughs> and a and a first and a second round pick <laughs> Hey, Houston, I'll offer you a seventh-round pick for uh, Deshaun Watson, and we'll rescind the franchise tag on Dak. Would you trade Deshaun Watson for Sam Darnold straight up? Sure! <laughs> <laughs> just just go for it. Anyway. Just do it. What the hell? What? Whatever. All right, moving on before the show gets any longer than it already is. The Tennessee Titans are next. The tw- They have the 29th overall pick. And their needs, like many teams in the AFC and the NFL in general, are edge Drum roll rusher. plays. Edge rusher and tackle. Hey! Shocker. Offensive yeah. tackle is a clear 
algebra equation where the uh, missing variable is Jack Conklin. He's gone. He has yep. moved up north to Cleveland. Correct. And now they need to fill the void. Correct. And that's where I think that they go with this pick. I think that the two names that stand out, we talked about Josh Jones. Uh, he's a fit for the Titans. And then Austin Jackson as well is another is another guy that I think is a uh, is a good fit. You mean the center uh, for fielder? The Titans, not the center fielder, ex New York Yankee, ex Detroit Tiger, no, ex no, New no, York Met about, as well, and and ex New York Met as well. Uh, but we're t- we're talking about uh, the offensive lineman, the junior out of USC that is six five and three hundred and twenty two pounds, a very very big lad. Right. But yeah, I I think I think tackle it, it you every everything you just said, Adam hits you hit the nail on the head. They need to go and replace Jack Conklin, and what better way to do it than with their uh, late first-round pick in the upcoming draft? Going from a late first-round pick to no first-round pick, the Indianapolis Colts solved the problem of many teams by trading for an edge rusher. They traded for Eric Armstead, and they gave up their first-round pick to the San Francisco 49ers for that, so they have no first-round pick, but I think their needs are are very much offense oriented you they need a quarterback to take over once philip rivers retires i mean he is only on a one-year deal after all he might end up leaving in the offseason you never know uh they need a wide receiver to complement ty hilton and i think you know you look at jack doyle he does really well as a tight end more or less but he gets injured a lot. He needs somebody to compliment him. And Eric Ebron had that. They had that connection where they were able to uh, feed off each other. I mean, it wasn't great for fantasy, but it was good for the Indianapolis Colts. And now Eric Ebron is gone. And they need to get somebody to replace him. But other than that, I would love to hear, Bird, if you have any other uh, possible destination or possible positional needs for the Indianapolis Colts. Well, I think that you hit the nail on the head with quarterback. I think that is an area that they can go ahead and address. And I think wide receiver is also a definite, a definite area of need uh, for the Colts in terms of trying to find a competent number two to go with T.Y. Hilton's number one. Uh, and this is the year to go ahead and try and invest in wide receiver. Again, the Colts do not have that first round pick, so they're going to have to rely on on the second round of the draft to try and go and fill that wide receiver void that they do in fact have. Um, I'm very curious in terms of where these group of receiver, this group of receivers is going to go in terms of T Higgins, Justin Jefferson and LaVisca Cheneau. Those are, they're, they're teetering on the first second round sort of border right now. And I could see those three being taken Somewhere in the range of 20 to 25 overall. I think that's where that, that group would start to really be considered. But then I could also see on the low end, them going at the top to the middle of the second round. You know, it really just depends on, you know, what teams are really feeling about the wide receiver market. Because it is just so deep, there is not going to be that big of a rush to get, you know, these top guys. Because you can go and you could fill that void elsewhere in the draft so they could end up falling a little bit so I'm very curious to see what happens uh, with that group of wide receivers I think any one of them would fill the void for the Indianapolis Colts that they need and I think if there's one guy out of this group I know I've talked about him before but LaVisca Cheneau is someone that I absolutely love 
And I think you put him with T.Y. Hilton and you give the Indianapolis Colts a big-bodied number two to go alongside T.Y. Hilton, oof, that could be a situation for the uh, for the Indianapolis Colts where they could really uh, they could really break through in terms of having that big-time number two that really we have not seen in Indianapolis since T.Y. Hilton has been there, quite frankly. That's correct. That is correct. I think that's going to be great. I think the Indianapolis Colts, in addition to the next team that, the next team that we're going to be talking about, are really in a position to take advantage of this deep wide receiver class. And that next team is the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have the ninth overall pick as well as the 20th overall pick that they got in the Jalen Ramsey trade. And ironically, a lot of their needs coincide with the players that they traded away over the years. And honestly, 2017 feels so far away. Feels like it happened Very much so does. long ago for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I think on the offensive side of the ball, other than wide receiver and maybe tight end, they're pretty set. But on the defensive side of the ball, they they traded away AJ Boye. They traded away Jalen Ramsey. They need help in the secondary. They might they might uh, be losing Yannick Nagakwe. If they don't sign him to a long to a uh, long term deal, they need an eventual replacement for him. So all of the all of the focus, all of the holes on the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the defensive side of the football. You know, I I agree, but to a point, I think that the one hole that perhaps is not being mentioned enough is the holes that they have on their offensive line. I think that that is a prime spot, believe it or not, where we could be talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars potentially going offensive line and taking one of those tackles. I think that that, is, that could be a prime spot for them. But, Adam, I agree with everything you said. Corner, safety, they need help there. And they also need help in at the interior defensive line, specifically a nose tackle. And that's where I think we could see Jav- uh, Jav- Javon Kinlaw potentially go um, at number nine overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's correct. Yep, there you go. The offensive line definitely is solid. I think you need I mean you need the offensive line to help uh Leonard Fournette try and get back on his feet. Take a little And Godna. And Godna. And Godna, of course. Get take some pressure off of Godna Minshew, the second. Godna. Godna Minshew. He's gotta I mean that's what they that's what they gotta do. So next up we're moving on to the AFC West, going to the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs man that's fun to say the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs with uh, Andy Reid finally finally getting a Super Bowl ring they finally is right they don't have too many holes either I mean when you're when you've just won the Super Bowl there aren't not like you're going to be picking a quarterback I mean geez they need I'd say that they need a corner uh, somebody on the offensive line and potentially a compliment to Damian Williams because I don't really think that LaShawn McCoy, he's not back, is he? No. Yeah, so no. they they need somebody to compliment Damian Williams because I don't know if the Chiefs really see Damian Williams as the kind of back to have 20, 20, 20 to 25 carries a game. I just don't think that they see him in that sort of way. So they want to 
uh, handcuff him in that sort of way. And I mean, going to talking about fantasy from a fantasy perspective, that's going to hurt Damian Williams in the long run. But as far as winning football games in in the real world for the Kansas City Chiefs, they need a compliment to Damian Williams. You see, Adam, you hit everything on the head again. I, I think that's the that's the area that the Chiefs can go here. I think they absolutely need to go corner. Corner absolutely 100% needs to be addressed. But running back is, is an area that I don't think many people are talking about because of the playoffs that Damian Williams did have. But we're just going to forget about the first three quarters of the season when really he did not do much of anything, and which led to the Chiefs bringing in LaShawn McCoy to begin with. I mean, I look at Damian Williams, I see nothing more than a, a very solid sort of running back. I don't see, I don't see a kind of guy that's going to go and, and, be, and be a game-breaker for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think that there's, there's one guy in this draft that if you ask me who I think the Kansas City Chiefs should be going for, and that is Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin, that the running backs are not getting a lot of love in terms of the hype that they're that they've gotten potentially in years past, there really isn't a game-breaking running back in this draft. But there's if there's anything close to one, it is in fact Jonathan Taylor, and I think he can go into Kansas City and he can be that 2025 carry guy that the Kansas City Chiefs could potentially need to take some of the workload off of Patrick Mahomes, off of Tyreek Hill, off of Travis Kelsey, and it could really help that offense just gain a whole new dimension that an Andy Reid offense t- typically does require, and that is having a pretty strong running game. Right, exactly. I mean, you saw it with LaShawn McCoy when he was the— uh, In Philadelphia. Yeah, when he was the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, when a- Andy Reid inherited Jamal Charles when Correct. he was the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. But when they were really good, or when they weren't that, well, actually, they, they haven't really been bad when uh, Andy Reid was there. That's kind of what Andy Reid does. But they, were have, they, they, they are the juggernaut that they are now because they have Mahomes. Right. But you look at what kept them competitive when, when Andy Reid had Donovan McNabb, when they had Michael Vick, when, they, when Michael Vick was in uh, Philadelphia when he then went on to Kansas City and then had Alex Smith, what made those teams competitive? It wasn't necessarily the quarterback play, maybe with the exception of Michael Vick, but that was because he was able to use his legs and get the running game incorporated into the offense. That's what made an Andy Reid offense so successful and so sexy and so appealing. Patrick Mahomes is just, he's he's on a different level. So, of course, you know, he's going to be you know, this, this stud that, you know, completely defies what an Andy Reid offense is all about. But you add that extra dimension that we all know an Andy Reid offense typically is all about, and that's having a workhorse back that can come in and change the entire complexion of your offense. It just makes the Kansas City Chiefs so much more dangerous and so much more dynamic if you could field an offense of Mahomes, Jonathan Taylor, you keep Damian Williams in the fold. You you keep him in, you bring him in as a change of pace back, you can still make plays catching the football. You keep him there. Tyreek Hill, Nicole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, who they just, just brought back, and then Travis Kelsey. I mean, that is an unbelievable offense. Well, they also brought that, back Sammy Watkins as well. Correct, correct. And we you know, we don't know 
you know, if Sammy Watkins is 100% going to play unless he has said that he's going to play and I just didn't hear about it. Um, but he's he's under contract there, so we'll see. Right, exactly. So moving but on. It just it just yeah. adds a whole other, a whole other dynamic to uh, the Chiefs offense. That that we do agree on. Right. So moving on, the Denver Broncos at number 15 overall in the first round. And their needs, offensive tackle, wide receiver, cornerback. How many teams have we looked at that have had almost similar or exact lists of needs? Offensive tackle, Um, About half. About half. About half. Offensive tackle, Garrett Bowles is gone. He's not, he has not been doing well the past couple of years. They need to replace him. Wide receiver, they traded away Emmanuel Sanders halfway into uh, last season. They don't really have a lot of weapons for Drew Locke. And corner, they lost their best corner in free agency, Chris Harris Jr., on a member of the NFL All-Decade team. But they lost him to the Chargers, to the rival Los Angeles Chargers in free agency. So what the Denver Broncos need, if if by some miracle one of the, the top four offensive tackles is there, they need to pounce on him. They need to. Because the that's a that's really what they need. They have their quarterback in the future, potentially, in Drew Locke. They just need to surround him with the playmakers that he needs to succeed. And, you know, Bird and I have never been too high on uh, John Elway because he hasn't really given us a reason to be. But he might actually, if he if he gets lucky in this draft, he might turn the Broncos into a good team again. Yeah, I, I don't agree with I agree with everything you just said. I thought you were about I to say disagree. you don't agree with anything I, that I said. I, what I meant to say was I don't disagree. Okay. I don't I don't disagree. I think tackle may be out of reach for the Broncos. I highly doubt that one of those tackles falls to them just because the Bucks are going to be all over a tackle if they get there. So it would probably take a trade-up for the Broncos to get one of those four elite tackles. Corner is obviously a need. C.J. Henderson, Quandre, uh, Trayvon Diggs, excuse me, uh, out of Alabama, and C.J. Henderson out of Florida. Those are two options that the Broncos can go if they're going to go corner. Uh, Javon Kinlaw, again, I'm looking at him, and I say potentially interior defensive line could be an area that the Broncos go. Of course, they lost Derek Wolf to the Baltimore Ravens. So that is, again, that's another area that the Broncos could go and address to add more defensive line help for Von Miller and for the rest of that defense to uh, operate because that defense just needs to be re, re I don't want to say rebuilt but retooled a little bit right exactly and hopefully the uh, rumors of them trading Von Miller are put to bed there's never exactly. gonna happen but moving on we're gonna go to the Raiders the newly minted Las Vegas Raiders which is gonna get really weird the Las Vegas Raiders is going to be a very weird name to say for a couple of years. Kind of like when the Chargers moved. I'm still not used to it. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have some Freudian slips and call them the Oakland Raiders. So just be prepared Oh, no that. no doubt about it. No doubt about it. I'm surprised you didn't do it just just now. So I'll give I'll give you a gold star for that one. You get a uh, you get a golden noodle. The Raiders have two first round picks. They have their 12th overall pick that they just got themselves. They earned all by themselves. 
And then they have the 19th overall pick that they got from the Bears in the Khalil Mack trade. And for the Raiders, they, I mean, like almost every team, they need offensive line help. They need edge rusher help. They need wide receiver help. They need corners. And this is this is a team, this is really an opportunity for John Gruden to uh, try and rebuild or retool the Raiders in his image. Whether that is a good image, you never know. But he's going to try and build the Raiders in his image nonetheless. So what do you think, Bird? I think that first round, that, that first, first round pick they have, they need to go and take the best wide receiver available, whomever that is, whether it is CeeDee Lamb, whether it is Jerry Judy, whether it is Henry Ruggs. I think they need to go and get whomever is there, whomever the highest wide receiver is on their board that is available at number 12, that is the guy they should be selecting. As for pick number 19, they also have issues in the secondary, well, well well-documented issues. And they need a corner. We talked about C.J. Henderson. We talked about Trayvon Diggs. Here's a guy that I think is very interesting for for the Raiders, and that is A.J. Terrell who could come in and play with his old college teammate, Trayvon Mullen, and would give the Raiders two tall, long, and rangy cornerbacks that they could build their secondary around. So I think that that potentially that could be something that the Raiders go ahead and try and do. Because like you said, Adam, you hit the nail on the head. John Gruden, Mike Mayock, they are trying to build the Raiders into a mold of a football team that they want it to be. And what we know is that they want disciplined guys they want guys that are going to make plays guys that are going to give 100 percent on every single play and they're going to play hard as john and gruden would say they want character character guys they want character they want character guys exactly you want to you want to love football you want to come here you want to love football play football <laughs> for the rest of your life eat eat sleep and drink football yeah it's very it's very john gruden this is a terrible impression but that's what he wants to do exactly so last but certainly not least, the Los Angeles Chargers, who will be appearing on Hard Knocks along with the Los Angeles Rams, which yes. should be interesting. But we're not talking about that now. They're picking sixth overall. And frankly, this is going to be a quarterback. I think yep. that that is the prevailing wisdom. Unless yep. the Chargers are like, Jokes on you. We're picking an offensive lineman. I doubt it. I highly doubt it. But they're going to pick a quarterback because really, well, I don't think Tyrod Taylor is going to be the guy for them. Because really, Tyrod Taylor isn't young anymore. He was a backup for a couple of years with the Ra- with the Ravens, but he was on that Super Bowl team. Right. So he's been in the league for a while. Well, here's something that the, that the, uh, the Chargers can do, and I'll, I'll get this quick so we can wrap this up. Um, the Chargers could trade down from this spot. They could have a team trade up for uh, potentially one of the quarterbacks that are left, and they can go and sign Cam Newton. That's true. They could do that. So that is a, uh, a potential. Right. But otherwise, I mean, that's kind of where we are at the moment with the Chargers. Unless something huge, breaking news-esque thing happens the prevailing wisdom is that they're going to go quarterback. And I think that that is the right with all these circumstances that we know now, that is, that's the right choice. Exactly. 
exactly right. All all signs are pointing towards this being a quarterback. Exactly, unless something crazy happens in the next two weeks. Right, exactly. So that is it for this AFC team need episode of the uh, Basement Talk podcast. This was a lot of fun to do. On Thursday, we're going to be going over the NFC. So obviously, if your team isn't here, it's going to be the next one. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk podcast. Don't forget to listen to all previous episodes of the Basement Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the name is just the Basement Talk podcast. So for my co-host Ed Birdsall, I'm Adam Castor, and we will see you next time on the Basement Talk podcast. Stay safe, everybody. Peace out.